It's time for the number one talk show of Eastern Connecticut and Southern Rhode Island. The Stu Breyer Potpourri Talk Show on 1310 WICH. Now here's Stu Breyer. Morning, everybody. Hope your weekend was good. And uh, it's a pleasure to start our week off with a gentleman I'm sure many of you know, Mark Dixon, Chief Meteorologist for WFSB. Welcome to the program, Mark. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for the sunshine. We do appreciate it. Oh, it was a long time coming, right? Uh, it was well timed for the weekend. Yeah. Do you think I could be a meteorologist? I have a Stu Doppler window here. I mean, how about Weather Watcher? We could start there. Weather Watcher. Okay. What does it take <laughs> to become a meteorologist? You know, when you say, and um, is it years or how does that work? Did you always have a fascination with weather? Yeah, so I, I am a transplant. I'm a, I've been in Connecticut now over 20 years, but mm-hmm. I, w- I was born in Iowa, raised in Oklahoma, uh, so right there in the, the heart of Tornado Alley. So uh, I remember it was, uh, I think I was around eight years old. I was in Cub Scouts, and I was getting my weather merit badge, and I went on a tour of a local television station, and at that point, basically declared my major. So that, I was always fascinated with the weather, and that kind of sealed the deal at that point. And, you know, wanting to go in this direction, I knew you know taking a lot of math and science would be uh, would be key. Uh, going you know through middle school to high school, of course, and you know trying to take the AP level stuff. By the time I got into high school, and while I was in high school, I actually was able to start an internship at that same TV station that I toured when I was a Cub Scout. So uh, it was a, it was a unique situation um, getting to do an internship so early um, instead of in college, but while I was still in high school. And then I was able to, to maintain a relationship with that TV station while I went to the University of Oklahoma, which is about 90 minutes from where I grew up in Tulsa. And uh, I, I eventually was spending so much time there. And, and these internships back in the day weren't paid like they like a lot of them are now. So my parents were like, you need to need to you know help pay for college and whatnot so i ended up getting a, a job working in the production department so on weekends it was my junior year of college i was doing and, and during summers um i would uh, run studio camera back before they were robotic and uh so I, I would work in the newsroom and and then that actually then turned into my first full-time uh, sorry my first on-air job it was not full-time i did weekend mornings it was an nbc station so i did those local cutaways um, on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Uh, so I think all but one weekend of my senior year of college, I was back in, Tul- in Tulsa. So it uh, wasn't, you know, the most fun senior year, but it was certainly uh, was invaluable when it came to, to the experience. So I, I, um, I did those weekend morning um, weather cut-ins, and then I pivoted and worked in the, in the newsroom until around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and that was my, my start on air in the business. And they didn't have a full-time position available when I was looking. So, like in this business, I was looking to go anywhere uh, across the country. I was young, I was healthy. You know, my parents were all good, so um, I was able to get a job in Little Rock, Arkansas. So it was about a four-hour drive from where I grew up, and uh, I was spent a couple of years there. And then, and then I was looking to move on and up again, and uh, that's how I ended up in Connecticut. So back in 2003. That's great. We're glad we're glad you're here. So you really start around a little after one o'clock usually in the afternoon. Yeah, so you know, when I first started um, here, I was on weekend nights, and I did the noon show three days a week with Melissa Cole. She had weekend mornings, I had weekend nights, and you know, Melissa's still part of the team, and um, it was under the guidance of Bruce DePriest for, for so long, and it was in 2006 that I went weekdays, so I started doing the noon five and 5.30, and then eventually we expanded the 4 o'clock news, and then more recently, 
uh, you know, Bruce, he went part-time, and then he ended up retiring. So, um, yeah, so when that happened, when, actually when he, when he went part-time, he gave up the 11 o'clock news. So that's when I started going in around like 1, 1.30. Luckily, I only live five miles from the station, so I'm close, so I can uh, get in there. My, my commute's a pretty fast one. So. And, and, and if it's, it's bad weather, I guess they, they were waves to get you there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there is a hotel within walking distance yeah. of the station. So, you know, if it's really bad or we're doing, you know, multiple, you know, back-to-back shifts, then uh, we will all, we'll all stay there. Things I always wanted to ask a meteorologist, of course, we're going to touch on the anniversary of one of the most miserable and dangerous storms that we had here in 1978. I know you were too young to remember, unless you had a tiny little shovel, but... Uh, what is your average day like? What is your day? You, you get up in the morning. What is your day like when you're a meteorologist? Um, well, you know, occupational hazard, everyone you're at and about wants to know, uh, you know, if something's coming. So I always need to make sure that I know the very latest, and I'm looking at, uh, you know, latest models and trends and, and whatnot. So, you know, I kind of start with a, a briefing, you know, just going online and, and checking out um, what's, what's new since I, you know, since the day before. So, um, you know, and if there's ever a storm coming, I feel like you know, while I do go in at you know one one thirty in the afternoon, like I'm always kind of working, especially if there's a, a storm on the horizon. Sure. Um, figuring out shifts. Um, you know, we recently the station was acquired a few years ago by we have new ownership, and we've pivoted to this first alert approach to weather. So we try to you know as far out into the future as possible you know, declare or issue a first alert for a potential storm that could have an impact on, you know, your commute to the way you live your lives, to the way, you know, uh, plan, planning your weekends to, you know, soccer activities after school. So, um, so kind of always have to be mindful of that. But, uh, you know, I, I typically will get in around one thirty in the afternoon. And again, by then a new set of model data has come in. And um, a lot of our shifts at the station overlap. So Mike Slifer, one of our newer, newer meteorologists, who is a Connecticut native from Cromwell, um, he does the noon show, and then he does the 4 and the 7 o'clock show. Um, so, um, you know, when new data is coming in and I'm in in the afternoon, we'll kind of discuss the forecast. Um, so it's very collaborative. And then once we have the forecast, then it's time to start building graphics. You know, there's the evergreen daily things that we have to create. And then we're always thinking about, um, you know, if there's an anniversary coming up, like uh, Blizzard of 78, Larry, um, or if there is an eclipse or something, you mm-hmm. know, astronomical, if, um, you know, we're heading toward the end of a month or toward the end of a meteorological season. So, for instance, you know, we're two-thirds of the way now through meteorological winter, and it's already the second wettest since records have been kept. So that's a, a graphic that will continue to update and evolve as we go through the month of, of February. So, um, you know, it's very collaborative. We work on those graphics and those ideas, and, and um, you know, I think we're really good with communicating from one ship to the next, because when I'm done at 11 o'clock at night, um, you know, Scott's next up, so we need to make sure he's all ready to go for, for the next day. So it's, it's, it's really fluid and, and, and a well-oiled machine. So um, how much does the groundhog influence you people? <laughs> <laughs> You, you mean chuckles or chuckles, was, or there's I mean, too many of them so now of them they now. ruined it there's too many groundhogs you know <laughs> so uh, uh, you know I, I think uh, meteorologists are the ones uh, that should be followed but it's always yes. you know, curious to see how the the groundhog plays out and makes for good television 
We need a little fun. We need a little fun. That's so. Uh, I, I notice it's it's pretty safe when you can look ahead uh, most of the time, because you never know when things are going to switch a little bit. But generally, a four-day forecast can be very accurate. Agreed. Is that correct. Yeah, and, and and you know we, I think anything beyond seven days becomes more of a trend. Is it going to mm-hmm. be warmer or cooler than normal? Is it going to be wetter or drier? Um. And and I think too, just to give a little comparison, like I when I worked in Little Rock, Arkansas, um, we were forecasting for the entire state, which was seventy five counties large. In Connecticut, you know, we're only eight counties, and so a lot of people who you know have grown up here, live here, you know, of course, expect the weather people to be correct all the time, and and you know, it's an inexact science, and we never go on thinking we're going to mislead our audience. I mean, credibility, accuracy is the backbone of what we do. So, you know, when we get something wrong, like, like, I know I internally am frustrated. Like, why did this happen? Why, you know, we don't want to have egg on our face. But, um, you know, within our small state, you know, we have the Litchfield Hills. We have, a hundred, like, roughly 100 miles of shoreline point-to-point from the New York border to Rhode Island. You know, we've got the Connecticut River Valley. We have all these little microclimates. Um, and, and again, we're forecasting for a really small um, part of the country um, that is influenced by you know, the Atlantic Ocean, by terrain in the Northwest Hills. So um, it, it is challenging to be a meteorologist here, but that also makes it fun. And the fact that we get all four seasons is, is great. You know, we get, I, I wish they were equal in length, um, the winter doesn't need to be as long, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's nice to forecast winter storms, an ice storm, you know, and, and an occasional blizzard. Um, you know, we do average a couple tornadoes a year. Um, tropical systems, those we're always, you know, on alert for those um, during the summer and early fall. So uh, for a meteorologist, you know, it's, it's a nice place to be diversity-wise when it comes comes to the weather. But it is it is challenging because, again, we want to be right and and. To, to make the one of the smaller states in the country the size of your 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 television screen your your viewing window, um, you know that really amps up the level of precision on our end because while we have those eight counties, people want to know what is going to happen in their respective town. There's 169 towns, and then there's the villages and the hamlets, and things can you know change within the different uh, towns due to elevation. So. Um, we, we try to bring our, our A-game every day and, and do our best. But it, it can be challenging, especially when it comes to, say, a winter storm. And, you know, we've got um, the, the rain or, you know, the, uh, you know, the fluff factor. Is it is a, like a, a lighter, fluffier snow? Or is it going to be like, you know, like cement when it falls, you know, like the heavy, wet stuff? So, um, and, and that all, you know, plays into the snowfall forecast as well. So, you know, every day comes with its own set of challenges, but, uh, you know, we welcome a quiet stretch as well. Listen, I, you know, be honest with you, it's a, you, it seems very accurate. I, I know the forecast you had when it was going to, the sun was going to come back, and I said, man, how do they know that? <laughs> Boom, there it is, that morning, the sun is shining. <laughs> yeah, it's and, and it's been so long, I think we were all welcoming that with open arms. It was very, I mean, we had a couple peaks here and there a couple days last yeah, week, but, I know. yeah, wall to wall sun was, was fantastic. So do you have to be, uh, Mark, I want to talk about Storm Larry uh, in, in just a bit, but do you have to be thick-skinned because somebody say, hey, uh, I heard Mark Dixon uh, with the, the forecast, and uh, we planned a picnic, and what happened? Do you get yeah. that? Oh, yeah. And especially, too, with 
you know, social media. Um, people mm-hmm. can hide behind, you know, a, a fake name or whatever and, and you know, take you to task uh, on, on the different platforms. So, yes, um, I remember as a kid, my parents, you know, like if you're, if you're going in this direction, especially to do broadcast um, meteorology, then you've, you've got to have a thick skin. And, and I try just to avoid even looking at the negativity, you know, and, and it, there's often a lot of ignorance out there, you know, and then you want to sure, ed- educate people um, as far, and that's what we try to do in our forecast. But, you know, we're on, you know, some of our weather hits are 45 seconds. Some of them are three minutes. And, you know, we all would hope and think that people want to listen to us and hang on every word we're saying, but that's, that's not the case. So um, you know, we uh, try to explain things in an easy-to-understand manner and also speak to uncertainties. Um, because there's a lot of that when it comes to like a, the track of a storm and what that means for Connecticut. Um, so it's again, it, it can be challenging, but we try to do the best uh, we can for messaging. You know, and I think when we put, for instance, like a snowfall map up and we give a range of four to six inches, you know, if people aren't at the high end, then they think it's a busted mm-hmm. forecast. Or if they get three and a half, and we were saying four to six, okay, well, that's still pretty close to four inches. You know, close to our range. So. Um, People almost like they, they want the worst, and then if it doesn't happen, instead of a sigh of relief, it's, it's, yeah. it's angst. Mark Dixon, Chief Meteorologist for WFSB. Glad to have him on our program for a little bit as we uh, start things off today. So uh, when I first got into radio and people said to me, oh, what, what do you do? I said, I'm in radio. Well, tell me, some, say something funny. And I said, huh? <laughs> and do, you, do you bump into people? Oh, what's the weather going to be, Mark? Do you oh, get that? of course. All the yeah, time, and, yeah. And that's why, you know, getting up and before I head out, I need to know if there's any changes or I can easily say, like, it was, it was great last week, you know, are we ever going to get rid of these clouds? I'm like, just wait till the weekend, you know. So sometimes they're, they're easy answers. And then yeah. I, I think, you know, also I think people see you and feel that they know you, which is wonderful. I mean, people welcome us into their homes, and, and we really appreciate that. Um but then, like they, they may see you and like not know what else to say, and like, oh, what's the yeah, weather going to be? And so we, you know, we try to be able to to have a, a quick answer. Well, you know, you know, generally speaking, just about everybody likes to talk about the weather with everybody. So um, I, I would never do that. But what's the weather this week, Mark? <laughs> um, so normal high for this time of year is in the mid-ish thirties, like thirty-six, thirty-seven. So we're going to be running a little bit above average, and we're going to get to enjoy a fairly dry, quiet pattern. The, the next chance for a little precip could come later Friday into Saturday. Saturday doesn't look as bright, and just maybe a couple of rain showers. It doesn't look like a washout by any means, um, but probably not as bright as this past weekend, um, but probably also a little bit milder. Mm. So um, the temps will be running at or above normal at least for the next day, seven days, and, and overall, things are looking pretty dry. We thank you for that very much. So, Mark, um, back in 1978, the worst st- storm I ever uh, witnessed in my life, and if it wasn't for a couple of people driving in a truck, I think I still would have been in the ditch that I slid off the road and fell into in Storm Larry, and they actually towed me out. It was one of those storms... Uh, I'm sure you've read a lot about it. What uh, what are your reflections on what you've, they've, you remember about Storm Larry? I know you were too little, but... Yeah. So what's interesting, it's kind of just to parlay off of what we talked about with, you know, 
forecast and trying to be accurate. Well, forecasting has obviously come a long way since the 70s. But in my, in my research from 1978, and just like the week prior, there was uh, you know a storm that was forecast that didn't come to fruition. So people maybe had their guard down. They did not take this newer forecast you know for the sixth and seventh um, as seriously, and then that led to more people being out, um, and then led to people being stranded given that the, the storm played out. So. Um, you know, forecasting has, has come a long way. Um, you know, we all have these devices that we carry around in our hands, in our pockets. That you know, we're all very connected in a way that we never have been before. So, you know, that that uh, dissemination of, of information, and that's probably a whole other topic as far as you know, getting information out and, and in a reliable, you know, meaningful way. But um, just just the fact that you know, a week prior there was a, a storm that was kind of a bust that. Uh, so, so people just didn't, you know, give as much, you know, credence or credibility to the to the forecast that was coming for what would be Blizzard, Blizzard Larry. So the, I assume that through the years uh, they keep updating techniques of, uh, you know, scrutinize the weather so it can be even more accurate. And uh, does uh, artificial intelligence come in on this? I mean, that's certainly evolving. Um, I mean, we just as scientists, the community, um, the meteorological community is always trying to, to update and doing so, um, you know, not only just domestically, but internationally, um, but with, you know, because science has no borders, you know, we're trying to always learn more and perfect to the best of anyone's ability, the, the, the forecasting models to, you know, provide more advanced warning as far as, you know, impactful systems. Um, so. Um, you know, and, and as far as AI goes, I mean, that, that is still so new. And um, from the meteorological community to the broadcasting community, as far as how things uh, are going to, to evolve. So, storm to, Larry to, to was, be determined there. Yeah. Storm Larry was the storm that just never ended. We just thought, oh, okay, this is enough. Boom. Yeah. So, I mean, high, high pressure to the north of us just kind of, was locked in place, so that prevented the forward movement, and that's why it lasted as long as it did, and kind of that squeeze play between the high pressure to our north and the center of the storm, which is an area of low pressure, the, the winds were even more intense given kind of that blocking that was that was taking place. So I know here in Connecticut we had gusts to around 70 miles an hour, um, but in other parts of southern New England, you know, closer to, to 100 mile an hour gusts. So um, and, and, and then you probably remember the, 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 the snow drifts, given uh-huh. how strong the wind oh my God, was yes. and, and just the way it piled the snow. I was a bad boy. I mean, this, they closed the states. You weren't supposed to go on the road, but I, I didn't want to ditch our poor people that were sleeping over in the studios. And I said, I'm going in, and I was the only one on the road. So I, I got away with it. But... Um, that's not a good idea. That's a governor just closed the state. Yeah, for, for for three days, right? And then Carter declared um, yeah. federal disaster area. Yeah. Mm. I mean, two. I mean, two feet of snow. I mean, we've had more snow than that since. But with that wind, I mean, and and the way that the storm unfolded, that slow moving nature too. I mean, and and I think something that also kind of lost is it was um, there was a new moon, so there was also coastal flooding throughout southern New England, too, that was pretty remarkable. So um, you don't really often think about flooding 
um, or that doesn't make the headlines that, uh, you know, during a blizzard that the snow and the wind will be making. But there, that was also a, another component of this historic storm. You've been involved in this for a very long time, and people talk about climate change and this and that. And we remember it wasn't there, Ice Age and things like that. Uh, when people say global warming and climate change, how do you address that question? I mean, so it's obviously a, a very heated political uh, topic, but, you know, science does speak to, you know, um, a, a warming climate. And then, you know, the implications from that, um, you know, leads to, say, more moisture content in the air. It could lead to more instability. It could lead to the higher frequency of high-impact type of storms. So, um, you know, you try to, try to separate the politics from, from the yeah, science. Of course. And, yeah, and then... And, and, go forward in, in, a, in a meaningful way. It's kind of confusing to me because it'll be, you know, boy, it's unseasonably warm here, and then you'll hear in other places minus 40. So um, it's hard to figure, at least for yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, there are going to be, I mean, we've had extreme weather, you know, for as long as we've been keeping records. And, you know, but it's looking at averages uh, on, on a larger scale and over a larger span of time um, mm-hmm. that, you know, conclusions are, are being drawn. Um, but, you know, we, we are going to have, you know, still, you know, extre- e- even if the, say, winter season comes out warmer than, than average, we're still going to have rounds of, like, Arctic cold move through. It's just a sure. matter of uh, the, du- the duration, you know, of, of that. But, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll still have um, all, all types of weather. It does You know, it doesn't mean that we're going to all just go in one way. Is it hard to, the hardest thing must be to track uh, a hurricane. Is that the most difficult um, perhaps, I mean, you know, it depends on where it forms, because if it's, you know, uh, along the equator or coming uh, off the coast of Africa, then we'll know about it for days in advance, and then it's a matter of, you know, people will be aware um, that, that, it's, that it's coming or that it's out there, and then it's a matter of, um, you, know, fi- you know, fine-tuning and figuring out exactly the path it's going to take and, and the intensity. So um, the intensity forecasting of hurricanes is still, um, you know, challenging. Uh, I think the track of them has become a little bit better, um, you know, statistically speaking. Um, so, so those are uh, the, the two main factors when it comes to those. Um, but I think like a, a winter storm can be equally challenging given, again, there could be the, the variety of precipitation types, and that could have a huge impact. Um, so, I mean, obviously a, a cold rain versus a heavy wet snow, but then if you get, you know, a sleet or freezing rain and you have more of an ice situation, I mean, that, that could have quite an impact. Travel and and can be you know paralyzing. So that those that those are challenging. And, and even you know taking it to the back to summer or spring and tornadoes. I mean, as those as supercell storms develop, or even like different styles of thunderstorms develop that could spawn a tornado. Those we can alert you know folks that there's that possibility, and you know we would have like a tornado watch. And then you know if um, if one is imminent or a occurring we will have the tornado warnings but those are still challenging to exactly you know figure out where we can know that the environmental conditions are certainly prime for development but um there are so many moving parts that you know there there may be some limiting factors that that may prevent them from developing on a day when we thought maybe they would develop or exactly where or you know we you can't really necessarily forecast um, tornado intensity, um, you know, it's just the likelihood that something could develop. So I think there are lots of, you know, challenges in the different seasons and the different 
types of weather um, that um, you know keep us on our toes for sure. So sometimes I see a meteorologist, a uh, weather person, going out in in a blizzard. And uh, do you ever have that role of going out there in the bad weather and doing uh, the broadcast? I, 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 I have in the past, um, not in my current role. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of kind of managerial planning leading up to the up to the storms. We have a team of six people, so. Um, a couple of our meteorologists, we have um, two weather trackers that will go out in the elements. So uh, if it's an all-hands-on-deck kind of situation, then they will go out. Um, I'll typically stay in-house. Scott stays in-house. Um, we have a patio that we can go live from to pop outside uh, to be in the elements. And then when the weather is, you know, weather in local news is huge, and when there is a big storm coming through, then the resources of the entire newsroom pivot to, um, you know, following the weather uh, and its impact on our, our viewers, our consumers of Channel 3 and our different platforms. Just, um, you know, if you think about it, weather's the one thing that affects everybody's life on a daily basis. So uh, that's that's why we do what we do and why the, why the station does what it does when it comes to, mm-hmm. to, big, to big weather events. So we will have, again, if we know We'll have advanced, you know, if we're doing our jobs correctly, we'll know that if a hurricane's coming, we'll know if, uh, you know, there's a, a blizzard or a snowstorm or an ice storm. So we will, in advance, position crews in different parts of the state because we want them to be in location safely before the storm actually moves in so they can be where they um, need to be instead of trying to travel through whatever the storm may be. So then once, once they're there, then they can report on it. But uh, most of my time, to answer your question, is spent in the studio at this point. We have a couple of minutes, but I want to give our listener, I've been hogging it, one question for you. I have a question for uh, Mark Dixon. Hello. Yes, do you have a question for Mark Dixon? Yeah, hi, Mark. Hey, good, uh, good morning. I enjoy, I talk uh, to Stu a lot about the weather. I enjoy following the, uh, the storms. And... Uh, I'm surprised the uh, storms this year, many of them that come across the uh, country from California, and many of them have been, uh, they make it through maybe up to uh, Ohio and stuff, and then they take that left-hand turn and uh, go up into uh, Canada, leaving us on the uh, warm side of the storm all the time. Um, uh, We're not going to get snow if that happens. The storm's got to come on the coast, as you well know, and I forgot the latitude and longitude. Is it forty seventy for uh, for a good snowstorm? Exactly forty seventy. Exactly. Yep. Is, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and I had one other question for you. I'm really I'm really surprised about in the wintertime how the storms come across from California towards the east coast, and then just the opposite uh, in the summertime, how the uh, disturbances come off the uh, Africa coast and come across the Atlantic and uh, to the United States. Is there any reason for that? Thanks for the call, there. Yep. Okay, so first of all, speaking to, like to the wet to the winter patterns, um, you know, there's been this this, this trough um, in the upper levels, you know, like the jet stream, that fast moving river uh, river of air, kind of you know steers these storm systems. You know how they move. Uh, across the country, so uh, we've had those inside runners where they pass to our west, uh, and those would be giving us the the warm kind of solutions here in Connecticut, the wetter ones as opposed to anything wintry. And then we've also, on the flip side, seen them, you know, 
develop and pass farther either to our south or farther offshore. Um, so that's again due to that that troughing that's happening over over the, the northern part of uh, North America. So um, it, it, it kind of we're in an El Nino uh, winter. So and that's coming off of three La Ninas. Uh, so it's interesting to see how the season's playing out. It certainly got off to a very slow start with you know very little snow, if any at all, um, in October, November, and December. January, you know, we had winter storm Aspen. We had one storm uh, that was notable, and then uh, you know a couple of smaller events. Uh, but that was able to get us, you know, climatologically speaking, kind of up to normal for uh, the Hartford area, uh, using that as just a point of reference. And then, um, you know, obviously February is off to a, a very quiet start. So we'll, we'll have to see how, how this month plays out, especially with temperatures, you know, currently running at or above normal. But as far as those, uh, you know, tropical systems, I mean, they do tend to develop. They can develop anywhere in the Atlantic or the Gulf of Mexico, but it's those um, the, the winds aloft that are steering them in our direction. So we're still looking at what's developing across the U.S. as far as if, in those upper level weather patterns and wind flows if a storm will you know be deflected from the east coast or you know m- you know m- move more toward the east coast so it's it's all about the uh, the upper level wind flow and and monitoring how all that uh, one thing i've always been uh, confused about is i've heard that uh, if the ocean is warm it's more active for a hurricane for a hurricane is that yes cuz that connects with that, it i the, the warm ocean water is basically the, the source of, of energy for hmm. these tropical systems to form. So Amazing. that's why along like the equator is kind of where like, they can develop anywhere, but that's kind of their, their breeding ground and where the, the water is warmest. And, and recent um, seasons, the sea surface temperatures have been running well above normal. And that's giving these storms, again, more fuel to, um, to, to grow more, say, uh, to, to, to grow faster, to be more intense, um, given those, uh, those warmer than normal sea surface temperatures. It's remarkable. I, somebody's been waiting a long time, and so I'll one more call, one more question for you. Hi, what's your question for Mark, please? What is your question? Yeah, Mark, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, this. This might be maybe a crazy question, but it seems that every time that we get a snowstorm, okay, uh, the snow will come, and then it will totally melt away, okay, where we have nothing, and another, another, then we'll have another storm. So it's like once we have a storm, we won't have another one, or we won't have any more snow until all the, all the snow is melted away, and then you know, we'll end up having another storm. I mean, what, what, why is the pattern like that happening? Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, it's just the way this year's been going, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be the, the the ebbs and flows with um, with you know, with temperatures, and and it's just we've been lacking like this season that the presence of the Arctic air. You know, so it, if we would have been colder than normal, had that Arctic air um, in place given how wet things have been, then we've probably been talking about, you know, historic levels of, of snowfall. But, um, you know, the one or two times when we've been able to gel and have the cold air here with uh, the precip, the moisture, um, you know, it, it has trended milder thereafter where it doesn't, it doesn't last very long. And, you know, that's obviously problematic this time of year for, like, ski industry uh, here in New England, uh, you know, having to, to make stuff, you know, man-made and then, 
having these big fluctuations in temperature certainly not helping them either. Okay, here's my last question today. I have to ask you this, Mark, because several of our listeners have called up, said that they've been reading, they've been hearing that, uh, well, how should I say that? There are certain individuals that are seeding the clouds or doing something to change the weather in certain areas that we can actually create variations of different weather. Have you heard anything like that? Um, we often hear these types of things on social media, and um, we don't have any belief in them or give them any sort of credence. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way I feel, but some people swear by it. Oh, there's, you know, there's somebody, I said, who are they that are doing this? And if there's a drought, why don't they bring rain? And so, interesting. I, I, I've, I've heard a lot of what you've heard as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's great to talk with you, Mark Dixon. Uh, so you go on this afternoon? Yes, I'll be having them in, uh, in a few hours from now. So yeah, I'll right. be on today 5 to 6.30, then again at 11. Thanks uh, for sharing your insights. Monday. What's that? I said thanks for sharing your insights with oh, us. My pl- Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. We appreciate the good weather. <laughs> <laughs> Hope we can have more of it. All right, Mark. Thank you. Thank- take care. Thank you. Thank you. Mark Dixon, Chief Meteorologist for WFSB.